Hi, everyone. This is Vanessa. We're going to be talking today about actually how hard it is to keep the nest together. We'll be right back. Like a sparrow building shelter with branches for its young. My mother built a nest with love for her little ones. My grandfather told her, doesn't matter what you have. The only thing you need for life is each other's helping hands. Never the empty nest, my mother always says. Spread your wings and fly, you can always come back to rest. Never the empty nest, my mother always says. Wherever you may go to grow, this will always be your home. Hi everybody, welcome to Never the Empty Nest, episode two. We're going to start, I mean, there's a couple of things that have come out recently about American families. One was uh, in The Economist recently, and it said that 27% of American families, people are estranged from their family and their immediate family. And that is an underestimation that is on the rise because people are actually really um, embarrassed or ashamed to say it when they are, are estranged from you know, their parents or something like that. And then at the same time, Pew Research Center has come out with this study that says, actually, we have more multi-generational homes than almost ever before since the Great Recession, which was 2007 to 2009. Since then, we've been rising in multi-generational homes. So it's kind of begs this question of, okay, well, what will the American family be, you know, like what is our nest as Americans becoming? And one of the things that the Pew Research Center study shows is that one of the reasons that we're rising in multi-generational homes is not only because, you know, there is this sense that um, the recession made, you know, college kids that graduated and didn't have jobs go back home, right? But also that Asian families and Hispanic families are on the rise and growing, and they usually have multi-generational households, which they define as two generations at least in one. So we are all obviously a multi-generational home in a way, right? Which we talked about last episode. And I started to think about these things recently, and mom knows this, and I want to hand it to her in a second, but recently... I had Maman, my grandmother, stay at my house on a Monday to give my mom a break, right? That was this past Monday. So she stayed at my house. Like, I, we're always together all the time, but there's a difference of, like, really taking care of someone through the night in, in your house, you know? And so uh, Maman came over. We had a barbecue and everything about that essentially was... Uh, like having a third kid because, you know, she she actually, you know, she she wet the bed in the middle of the night. She wears a pamper but still wanted to go to the bathroom. And then she was embarrassed about some of the, you know, garments that she wet. So she wanted me to give her a Ziploc and I wanted her to give me the clothes, but could I give her a Ziploc? And then all of a sudden she was like a bag lady. And I was <laughs> like, what is going on? This is all at three in the morning, right? So then she also has a sleep apnea machine and she, she I can picture all of this. She just she's like, you know, she fumbles with it. So every once in a while you have to go over there and put it on right. 
And it was like Taika in the middle, my grandmother, me, everyone was in the bed together. By three, I was like, okay, I'm up. I'm just going to go work and like watch her through the baby monitor, which I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the next morning, I had to get everybody ready and also her ready for my mom to pick her up for an appointment. Needless to say, I didn't start working until 1 p.m. the next day. And I was like, oh, my God, if I couldn't, I, if I did this, I wouldn't be able to work. My career would suffer. This would be like a total freaking disaster. It's a job. It's a job. Yeah. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because one of the things that The Economist said in this, like, you know, 27% of their families is strange is that there's this like culture of, of well-being and mm -hmm. toxic relationships mm -hmm. and all this sort of thing. Like anything that's inconvenient for your own success and your own path, like, you know, just block it out without yeah. really understanding all of those things. And it is affecting people and people are blocking out people from their, mm -hmm. you know, in their families. Canceling people. Exactly. Cancel culture. Right. So there, that's really, really something really interesting because on the one hand, you're like, well, I can understand how someone would say I can't do this because I would have no career. But at the same time, you know, isn't the idea that I had her on Monday so that my mom could have a break? Mom, and I'm going to hand it to you right now because you're really the one that's taking the brunt of having mama and our grandmother now really under your wing. You're essentially her mom now after my grandfather passed. And how has that affected your life? What happens is that before I had two and now I have one, two parents and my dad passed away in April on Vanessa's birthday. And so it's a shock because when you are confronted with another layer of responsibility, obviously you go into this fight or flight, right? Do I do it? Can I run away? Can somebody else do it? Um, do we even have to do it? And I go through and I went through all of that very quickly. You just layer in that added activity, and I'll start with the end, which means that at the end, everything works out. But the road to that realization is frustrating and painful and even magical sometimes. The good side is that you get to see really close someone else's needs and suffering for my mom, in this case. Uh, losing my father after 72 years together, all of us have a very big void in our family right now. But then I don't have much time to worry about that because uh, physically my mother has been impacted with illness because of this. She didn't have two or three conditions that she just acquired. And so it's taking a toll on her and on me in as far as learning the ropes through all this new stuff and obviously thinking, uh, and can I sit down for 15 minutes and either read or just look out the window? And so I'm struggling with that now, but I have to say, I sit down and, and I think and I say, okay, so what else can I do? Or, or what else do I want to do? And I personally would not have it any other way. It's pretty freaky. I went through it once already when I had to raise them in a way, as Vanessa says, because they were older and they needed certain things and 
do I do it because I have to, because it's my filial responsibility, or do I want to do this? Um, and so you go, I did, through all that stuff, and at the end of the day, I found out, as I always do, that the only thing that will take you through what you think you want to do is love. And so that has the upper hand. I know it's going to work out because it's worked out before. I know we'll fall into a rhythm. We already are falling into a rhythm. And those extra layers have other things. You know, we spend more time in the evening. I sit down with her. We talk about things that we've either never talked about or things that uh, we rarely talked about. And I find out things about us and my own family that I didn't even know before. And so sometimes we're there just talking for two hours. And at the end of the night, I feel like uh, like a sense of relief, of happiness. And so that always tells me of peace. Uh, It's that thing you feel right in the bottom of your heart that is at peace. And so, like we said last time, we wing it, you know, one day at a time. What's new? How do we deal with it? Let's move on. What you're saying right now is I I word vomited all that sort of thing that I just said, and it's very, very real. And I think maybe, I mean, I want to go back to you to ask you, like, you know, you just told me before we got on here, I haven't even been able to work today, you know, and I like I want to ask if you're worried about that in your in your job. But at the same time, I think about like, well, would I have exchanged not ha- not having my grandmother on Monday, like thinking about how great we were outside and the, like having a barbecue with my kids and my son fell asleep on her. Mm-hmm. She loved the the vegetables and, and the, the burgers that we made so much. You know what I mean? And she was so it was just like that cuddle of the kids on her all over her. You know, that's sort of irreplaceable. But yeah. at the same time. You know, there is this question, do you worry about the fact that you haven't been able to work today because you had to call, you know, the the cardiologist 10 to 15 times? (laughs) I I don't worry. The reason I don't worry is because I know that it works out. The reason I I know it works out is not because I've read about it or I'm so enlightened. It's just because we went through it before with different examples and we, it works out. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's 24 hours of which let's say we sleep eight, which I don't. And I, it's not because of my parents. It's just that I don't like to sleep, number one. And number two, uh, it's not easy for me to sleep so many hours. But let's say I sleep eight hours. There's 16 hours. It's how you budget those 16 hours. What happens? You know, I'm a responsible person. I do my work always. So I figure it out. What am I going to do in those 16 hours? How am I going to budget my time today so that I make sure that things get done? And now because of the pandemic, I guess, uh, you know, we're home. We have more control over our time. But let's say that I had a strict, because I thought about it, that I had a, a stricter schedule in the sense that, you know, I had to clock in and clock out. There's still 16 hours in a day. So somehow, because I've been in that situation as well, and it's how you budget those 16 hours that are left. What do you want to do with that? 
But also, I mean, like the article that we were in The Economist, was it, about the estrangement? Like, how do you feel about that? Because they're saying, I mean, you're saying there's all those hours to do what you have to do, but we know you have zero time for yourself. So when you read that article, what did you feel about that whole, like, personal happiness is the biggest factor, you know? That's what's happening uh, lately with with people. I'm happy. I'm just I'm just reading yeah, the question. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I mean yeah. that's my first response is I'm happy. Do I want more time for myself? Yes. I'm sure I'll get it as I get better at this new stage um and, and form new cycles and new traditions and new structures. Although we I am not a very structured person because things don't always work out the way you think they should, but you always get to rearrange the chessboard. Okay. Yeah. What's going to be my next move? Yes, I want more time for myself to do certain things that I've never done, or I just maybe take a bath. <laughs> I mean, not a shower. Obviously, I shower every day, but a bath, you know, sit, sit in the bath, you know. And I'm sure with I will. The, with the stuff that Nikki sent you, with all those, you know, like bath salts, and she's she just sent you a package and now you can't I use did. it. I'm like she hasn't used any of that. Has no, she? I have one there. Day, one day you will use the natural body butter, and I will. And uh, they're there. So yes, I'm happy because I realized, you know, I don't want to underestimate or understate that. Oh, this is like my father would say, "soplar y hacer botellas," which means like making glass. You blow in the glass. You know you. You, you do the, the vase or whatever. Uh, it's hard and frustrating, and sometimes you don't want it. But when you put it together, when you have control and you say, well, I can do something different if I want to, the thing is the want. What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do anything different than what I am doing, and I just have to figure it out, and, and I have to find more time for the things, you know, for the bath or, or, or whatever it is I yeah. want to do. And when, with everyone's personal happiness, I mean, your ha- everyone's happiness is different. What does happy mean to me or to someone else? Your happiness, really, because we know you, is like knowing that your everyone in your family is okay and cared for, and we're all together and happy and healthy. And so, in a way, that is part of your personal happiness. You know, it's all connected. I mean, that's how I saw it when I read it. And you're talking, I'm like, well, that's what makes mom happy, really. Well. Yeah, and the good times and the bad times. Uh, right, right. I am happy knowing that, you know, that we are like a fist together. No matter where we are, it's it's like a fist. And, and that is such happiness. Then, obviously, there's the grandchildren. Yeah. yeah. Pragmatically speaking, another thing that the article talks about is that Americans are going to be very, very lonely in old age if we continue this this path of, you know... Yeah, estrangement. Uh, yeah. Because um, it talks about spreading, that it's not just because a lot of it is like p- parent, yeah. the mm-hmm. uh, the most common is parent and adult child estrangement, Adult child, right? exactly. And 70% of those are divorced, or something like that. There's a, obviously a lot of it is connected to divorce. So one of the things that it says, and we'll go, I think we'll touch upon this because it's something I was thinking of in terms of our, you know, mom divorced our father mm-hmm, early in, mm-hmm. early in life and what that meant later on but nikki i want to ask you because we're about to go hit up your nest <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't wait i'm like counting um, the minutes <laughs> so essentially 
our whole little gang on, on this side of the country, literally on the opposite end of the country. Um, so me, the kids, mom, mama, nene, which is our stepdad, but like our dad, we are all going to go to your apartment in... <sighs> LA. LA. Although I'm gonna get a little Airbnb because that's a lot. Like two kids, a husband. Well, we just don't. I mean, there's not enough. We, we don't fit. So yeah, bad. it's an apartment in the city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so, what does that do to your brain? Are we gonna go there and disturb your whole life? Uh, personally, no. It's not a disturbance. Obviously, I really look forward to it. It's been insane. Like way crazy too long. I can't even believe. We haven't all been together in over a year. That's literally has never happened in our lives ever. Took a pandemic. Even in college, I would go visit even, I mean, never. We go, I go there every two months or you come here. Somehow we see each other every six weeks, forever. It's been that way. And it doesn't matter how broke we are, we figure it out. It doesn't matter how busy we are. It just happens. I get really excited and I start to like, I'm already a super clean and organized person. And then I start to clean crazy because you guys are like super, you know, but no, I love it. I love the craziness. That's what we're used to. I miss you guys like crazy. My kids are going nuts because I saw you guys because Papang passed and I had to from one day to the next jump on the plane and I was there for three weeks, but just me. And that's another thing. I felt so insanely strange not being with my children for three weeks, I, they have never, ever gone 24 hours without me. Or, well, let's say 48 hours um, without me. But anyways, I'm super excited. My husband has, is already used to it. He's American. It was a very different thing. We're all American, but like he's like American-American. Yes, we're American, but we're Cuban-American. We have our own thing and we're all, you know, we're all very attached. And that's not to say some Americans are like that and some Cubans are not, you know, but... We are like that. And so um, he's, I don't even, uh, the other day I was like, oh, I forgot to tell you, I, they're going to be here a month. So we, we're going to plan some trips and this and that. And, you know, I kind of spring it on him last minute, but he's used to it. And even he loves it. And my kids are going nuts without Abu Mom and Aya and their cousins. And this is really, it's been really hard. So I'm literally counting the minutes and the hours. It's really hard to be across the country by yourself with not one family member, parents, sister, you know grandparents, all that. It's a bizarre thing for me. Some people are used to it. I, I, you know, when I worked retail and restaurant jobs and talked to people with different family dynamics and different cultures, it's not that like that for everyone. You know, um, one of my bosses uh, at Bloomingdale's hadn't seen her parents in two years by choice, you know? And so I, I always felt like, oh my God. <laughs> and I was literally like, when she told me, I was like, but why? But then, you know, who knows what goes, I mean, who knows that relationship or, you know, whatever. But for uh, for me, that is not, that is not okay. And so I am very excited for you guys to be here. I mean, it's, I love LA. I love being here. It's a sacrifice, of course, because when I get to Miami, I'm like, oh, you know, that's also my home. And I get to see you guys and um, feel that, you know, all the Cuban vibes <laughs> the minute you land. I had the same thought when I was, um, and this is where you're like, oh, then this is why you don't judge. And this is why we have conversations and discussions because, and of course I was joking about American, American, like we're all really American. And that's the point of that Pew article that, you mm -hmm. know, the new Americans are well, actually changing, changing the dynamics. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was having this, this like, un I wouldn't even, I wanted to say unconscious, uh, like judgy moment, but I'm like, eh, I guess it was pretty conscious and that sucks about people who were estranged from family members. And then mm -hmm. I was like, well, I didn't talk to my father, father for almost a year right. at a certain point in my life. 
then I think about what that meant. And, you know, so our fa- parents are my father and mom got divorced after 18 years of marriage. He's a, he was a very difficult person, wonderful in many ways, and then also difficult. Um, and, you know, I wrote a novel about it. So <laughs> it's, it's not a secret. <laughs> um, white light. White light. Um, read white light. Anyway, so, but I was like, oh, well, I did that. You know, and what would have happened if that would have been forever? It did bite me in the ass later when he passed away. And I was like, oh, there's so much we probably should have ironed out even more, even though we did. I was so grateful that we had, Mm -hmm. but there was so much left to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when people ask me about that sort of thing, I'm like, you know, just like throw away the pride and just doesn't matter. I want to ask mom what it was like, because that was another nest. Like sometimes nests have to be rebuilt and restructured. You know what I mean? Because something really isn't working. And if you don't fix a part of the nest, the whole thing can collapse and everybody's a goner. And it spreads. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What was it like to get divorced after 18 years of marriage and break that nest, so to speak, sort of, or part of it, a section of it? Actually... I had a little nest inside the nest where we laid in that nest. And when I say we, is both of you, Oshimi. Our dog. Raquel. Yeah, our cat. The cat. <laughs> and, uh, and myself, that was never altered. That remained intact. But obviously, you know, the circumference of that nest was dramatically altered because of the players at stake. It didn't have to be like that, but that's okay. Here we are. And it's okay uh, because what was important to me remained intact. And so everything else was survivable. It was a decision being made for the good of us And, you know, that's a whole different tangent and we can or not go into it another day because when you're a parent, you have to really be aware of what you do because it's not what you say, it's what you do. So as a woman and a mother, I had an example to set with my life to my daughters. It was a little scary because a lot of the financial stuff came in to the mix, a big, big part of it was that. And, uh, and that's scary, but it worked out because when you lose the fear and you're prepared to surrender, which I did, to what is totally negotiable to you, then the fear goes away and things work out. And what was not negotiable stayed intact and everything else uh, worked out. What would happen? I mean, dad had, you know, anger issues, basically. And he had a whole lot of baggage that mm-hmm. um, he was trying to work out. Every human being is trying to work out their things out, right? He never, he never was physically abusive, but I think we could probably say he was verbally. So it was an emotional, I, an emotional yeah. abuse. Yeah. Those things do shake the nest, you know, mm-hmm. and I could see how, I mean, at some point I had said to mom, it's okay if you get divorced, but it's almost like, that would be better for all of us. Um, and then one day he he was really, really, um, I would say like verbally violent. Mm-hmm. 
explosive. explosive. Uh, not one day. He was generally, he did that a lot. But one day it was very targeted to me specifically. And mom says that that was, you know, the... The breaking point. The real end mm -hmm. of it. And um, I think that that's what she means by saying, you like, by example. If you're going to have that in the house, then that's sort of, like, permissive to always have that. Like, you can do that in the future and... I do think that it was really, really hard. That process was super hard. He did not take it well. Lots of things happened and threats yeah. and all kinds of things. I mean, the and breaking of that nest was messy. Really, really hard. But in the end, I think it literally saved everyone, including mm -hmm. him, mm -hmm. in a way. He, he died way too young. And I think that that was maybe inevitable in, unless, you know, nothing is inevitable, I guess. Another topic for another day. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> That's a whole wow, other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you know, all those these things, it just made me think. I was like, wow, I judged this. And then I, later on, after the divorce, I did not speak to him for almost a year. And there's reasons for why people do certain things. And that's okay, because it is true that, uh, that some people, uh, that you have to... Um, put distance between either emotional distance or physical distance or whatever distance it is that is needed to protect you, whoever you are. And that doesn't mean, right, according to our own, I remember you and I having a discussion and you said, I don't ever want to see him. I don't ever want to talk to him. And I said, and you have every right to say that and you have every right to do it. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit of a jump because but we're gonna get a little bit lighter but i was thinking the other thing that this made me think was okay so if if that was that that whole estrangement thing but if hispanic families are the ones leading like the multi-generational home then how does that affect us and what is the process of that in assimilation and in becoming an american or even more an american and the reason i think about this is i was the first to go away to college in my family and that was a huge deal like, my grandmother was like, oh, estás abandonando. you're abandoning us, and you're going over there, and I'm never going to see you again, and that's it. The family's broken. It's broken forever because I was going to go away to college. You know what I mean? Like, it's the other extreme of the fear of losing the, the trauma, nest. The trauma that she went through. Right. Yeah. Like we talked about last time, like, they got there, and their nest was, like, swept away, you know, mm -hmm. in, when they had to leave Cuba. But at the same time... I want to talk about like for us, Nico, for you, mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't like, I wonder what it was like, like when I left, I think you were just like in your, in your own world. But my, you know, even you, mom, when I when we were growing up, it was always like, okay, yeah, that's gonna happen. But I do remember moments like early, early when we were li really little, where it was like, oh, they'll go to UM, like when we were really little. Yeah. And then the sudden the realization setting in not suddenly, but settling in as the years progressed that oh, actually, She's going to end up at a really good school, and that can't not happen. When you were little, yes, because I remember that this nest thing started because of the fear of, oh, my God, the empty nest. <laughs> so you were, what, seven, eight, nine years old, talking already about the things you wanted to do other than painting on walls and closets. And that's when I had the fear, you know, they're going to go away. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? I'm going to miss them. But that went away very quickly because as you grew up and as Nikki grew up, and I thought it was so exciting, the paths that you were taking, the, your interests, and I wanted you 
to go out and venture and do whatever it is that you wanted to do. And we went on that road trip that none of us knew what we were doing, but it w- totally worked out. Um, A college searching road trip, which was like, hmm. We, we didn't know what we were doing the whole time, like at all. By the time we got to Uniki, we kind of knew what we were doing by then. <laughs> but but <laughs> we knew that we, we went really... to the tours of each university that we we made it on time on each yeah. day. <laughs> to the tours. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, I don't even know uh, how we did that, staying at motels uh, and, and... Yeah. It, well, we bought a book and yeah. It, oh, was, yeah. it was fun. It was fun. I remember that. Then I had my second realization... And Van had left, and she came back, and obviously my mother in the background saying, "Tú quieres que se vayan," you know, <laughs> what you want is for them to go, and you know all this drama, which I didn't pay any attention to. And I said, "But wait a minute, where's the empty nest?" That's you know, remember when you were little, I said, "Oh my God, the empty nest," and then when you were, I realized I didn't care at some point, and I wanted you to do all these things, and I had a lot of fun too. Remember, I didn't go anywhere. And so I lived, and I still do, vicariously through them. And so I said, well, okay, there is no empty, in my case, there is no emptiness. Well, I was still home, and then I left, and we came back and forth, but like, it wasn't such a big deal anymore when it was my turn to go, you know, it was like, everyone... So Sophie had a hard time with us. You know, our cousins, I mean, it did affect Mamang, our, our grandparents, our, our, our little cousin who basically lived with us and she was with us every day. That was really hard on her. She was nine. And I, I, that affected, in a way, our relationship. Uh, we probably would have been closer. But you got to go and do what makes you happy, you know. And you know, I guess we knew we were always going to come back and forth. It didn't ever feel like mom says like an emptiness like okay that's it I'm 18 bye you know that yeah. doesn't exist in our in at least in our family like we yeah. never and understood that or, yeah. or followed that yeah well what you're saying that story about Sophie our cousin she was little she was like I don't know five she was nine or nine something. she was nine already or no really? she was eight no she was smaller she was nine when Andy was born and I yeah. was already in college exactly. so yeah she was yeah. like six or seven. Yeah, and she I just remember that one of the times when I was leaving off the door, she just broke down like to a hysterical cry and was kneeling on the ground and yeah, she, she kept saying, on the I don't know what's wrong with me. She kept <laughs> she was crying for a yeah. thing. I but totally like, remember what's that wrong image. With me? Like her whole insides were, you know, she she couldn't put the you know, and I like she was probably actually acting out what Mamang was feeling. <laughs> You know, yeah. if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like if you could be like, what's inside? But at the same time, all this makes me think, you know, like the restructuring mm-hmm. of the nest is necessary right. because all these elements, right, not taken to their extreme are necessary for a successful nest in the sense of we do need well-being. We do need mm-hmm. to push for the self and the and the development of the self and go away to college and do those things and whatever it is for you that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And if that moves the nest around a little bit and reshapes it and now it's like a little bit of a triangle instead of a circle, whatever, you know. Yeah. But I say that and at the same time, I also say that it was really you know, we forget, but at that moment, it was really hard. And there were some people I remember in my class that were going through the same thing and they gave in to their parents and were like, yeah, okay, I'll stay at, at the the state school or the, right, or the city right. school and I won't go away so I can stay with you and whatever. And I was just like, no, no, yeah, that's not going to happen. I never, ever thought about staying home. Ever. Ever. These were the girls that slept with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When they were little. So we were and like eight or nine years I, old. Right. You know, off and on. And 
all that jazz. And I was told that this would make them very dependent. And I'm not sure I'm not an expert. I don't know enough about it. But I did read a book when I was in college that made a profound effect on me that was called The Family Bed. And they are fiercely independent because I think that actually that gave them the safety that they needed. And you always need to feel safe. Always. That's so important. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we went away, it was not like we were going away forever. We always felt, uh, I, I never had that like, oh God, I'm leaving home. And I have friends that wanted to stay home. I mean, and, and right. stay in Miami and that was their thing. And that's okay, by the way. I mean, totally. that's okay. We're talking about our experience because I have friends that wanted to stay, that stayed living with their parents until they got married. And now they, they got married, have kids. They lived blocks away from their parents. And that's, you know, they see each other. And that's a beautiful thing too. She, you know, my friend has lunch with her mom. I mean, dinner with her mom every day after work and her kids and all that. And that's, that's an awesome thing too, you know, um, which by the way, we... <laughs> You can always go back to that anyways if you leave and come back. One of the things that mom always said, and I think not, you know, it's not something that every parent says, but um, she's like, you always have a room. And it wasn't oh, yeah. figurative. Yeah. It was an actual room <laughs> that was empty <laughs> yeah. for it's us. It's like both. Like there, there's always yes. a room. There's two things in my brain about growing up. You always have a room. I love you no matter what. You always have a room. I love you no matter what. I mean, like yeah. that's super nasty. <laughs> super and like yeah. I don't care if I'm 80 and you're 50 you're still my baby and you're still gonna have a room in my house I will say one more story and then I think we're we're heading towards some kind of an ending for this for this <laughs> episode but when we did actually go to college I did actually go to college for the first time it was a total mm -hmm. freaking culture shock and things just slapped me in the face and we actually went together. I So the first time I went to college, I say the first time because I went to Brown first and I thought that was my dream school and that's where I wanted to go. I lasted a week and then dematriculated and went in the next semester, took the semester off, worked at a bookstore, wrote, <laughs> did all this stuff and then reapplied to schools like just... It was a short process because I had already gotten into certain things, certain places, but I ended up at Barnard the next semester, right? But that first shock at Brown was like the first time I realized in my life that other people thought of me differently. First of all, I had never heard the expression POC, like person of color. I had never heard mm. that. I was like, everybody in Miami is just from everywhere, everywhere from yeah. all over the place. And so yeah. it's a de very different state of being. And so it was like, oh, I am like, wow. I did not realize I was an outsider. I didn't, Brown told me I was Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I could have told you that. I did tell you that. It, it was, was not the school for her. No. I mean, mind you, it's a freaking amazing school. And probably, you know, now I think about it myself and I'm like, would I have let my kid dematriculate from Brown on a full scholarship and like just gone home? Because me and mom, remember we were at the cafe and we were like wanting to vomit because we were like, this is not the place where we're where I'm I like I'm like I love that I say we where we're supposed to be <laughs> me and mom talk about <laughs> never leaving the nest well remember what I just said that we went on this tour 
Yeah. Okay. And then obviously, Nanan, I had the, the great pleasure of visiting all these Ivy League schools and great schools. All of them were great, including Brown. But you know, you're, you're the mother, the parent, and you just instinctively, she said, this is my school, this. And I told her, well, this is the one I like the least. Obviously, <laughs> I don't know anything. And I was so sincere because I didn't go away to anyone. I went to the, the state university in Miami and I actually did three years instead of four because I wanted to raise you. And so uh, what do I know? And I really meant it. But obviously I, I instinctively, I knew that that was not the school for her. So when it came and obviously we went back together. So when I went back to work, so hi, how's Vanessa? You moved her in. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I moved her in and I moved her out and we came back. <laughs> And you're crazy. People cannot believe that story when I say it. And uh, you're crazy. I said, no, no, no. It's just, uh, you know, she, she's never going to go back to school now. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and that could have turned out to be true. Yeah, but you know, Vanessa, she would have never done that. I know. No, 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 no. It was not going to be true. Plus, she was miserable. And yeah. so, exactly. Happiness is so important. You just know. It, you just you know, know you when know. you're not yeah, in the right feeling. spot. You're like, oops, made oops. a mistake. That's this right. is not where I'm so supposed to be. So I remember. But not everyone listens to that to that instinct you know you have to instinct is yeah. everything and yeah. i remember vanessa saying i will go myself because obviously i said well i'm gonna send a taxi right now to pick you up because it was, it was at night <laughs> and we'll go back in the morning because i i was leaving at six o'clock in the morning and i was in my hotel crying she didn't know this obviously but uh she called me at 10 o'clock and she said this is not the school for me and i said okay do you want to do a semester no i don't want to do anything i go do you want to leave and she said yeah let's go okay i'll i'll go pick you up right now <laughs> so she left she but she says i will go to the dean's office and she dematriculated she did all of it herself and obviously she was on uh scholarship and they were paying me money and they it were was, paying was, I, so I, like that said, would I, go to the next who you know yeah. runner up or whatever it is that she was so we left and we were so happy and then i said well this time you're gonna go to the universities that we toured but you're gonna go when class is on yeah. And then you'll know, by the way, I told her that New York would be it. Yeah. Nene told her. Yeah. Well, when we went to visit Barnard, we're like, this is kind yeah. of like Carrollton. Yeah. Yeah. It so, feels so homey. It feels so good. Yeah. So yeah. that's what it turned out to be. Yeah. But again, you know, it's like you you leave the nest, you go and figure out, oh, wait, everybody's is not the same. This is a total what the heck is this? And then you come yeah. back, reformulate, you know, and then whatever. After that, went to New York, lived there for seven years, mm -hmm. did two master's degrees and a PhD, even though everybody was like, oh, my gosh, she's never going back. That was true. Everybody did say that. And it was this whole thing. It was like all of the our friends and family were like in an uproar. You know, about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was great I laughed. For me. When you called and told yeah. me what was happening, I literally just laughed. I remember. I'm like, I oh mean, boy. I think we have to say that we were in a state where where mom made twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And yeah. we had no money. 19. Like no we had freaking zero money. money. We had no like money. Zero. So that's why it's really hard <laughs> to actually turn that down. I, I remember yeah. that the dean's jaw was like he was like, Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, also on your part, that's pretty brave, you know, to do that. Well, uh, that's why I say, I don't know. I Maybe I would have been like, hey, honey, maybe you want to stay another week. <laughs> 
like maybe now I would. I don't know. I'm not Who sure. Who knows? But you know what? You would have been a different person. You would have. I would be a different. Have different. You grew. You at Barnard. You had you, your own nest of beautiful friendships that you created to this day and uh, life. You know. People you worked for for a long time who became friends and family that are friends that are family. Yeah, those are the nests of our choosing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and they, exactly. And, there's a and nest you that do. you're born into, and there's a, the nests that you choose. Like you know, I I chose mine here with Jonathan. You in college, you choose your your friends and your your nest in college and all that, where you feel safe and yourself to be yourself. You know, free to be yourself. But I think I think we'll end it there. You know, this could go, go with forever. your gut. Go with your gut. Go with That's your gut. Follow it. your instincts. Be happy. <laughs> yes. And then next time, uh, Nikki's going to lead us. Yay. Yay. <laughs> okay. See you every... No, not see you. What would you say? Talk, Talk to you. To you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Listen uh, to us Next later. time. Uh, bye, guys. Bye. Bye. All of your success, she says, all the great things 